Jesus, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, our living hope. And while you're at it, would you guys make some serious noise for anybody that is watching us, watching with us online. We love you so much. You're every bit a part of this church as the rest of us. Church, it is so good to be together. Happy New Year. You guys take a seat. Um, what we just did is the reason that we're here. And so if it's okay with you, I'm just going to speak for a couple minutes and then get back out of the way so that we can just keep doing that. Um, this is week two of our series, Stay in the Loop, because January, I love January. January is a, a month of new beginnings. It's a month where we dream some dreams and, and tap into to what God is up to in our lives and ask God, hey God, what do you have for us in 2021? Right, because we want to dream big with God, but we don't just want to dream dreams and, and have big visions. Those are important, but at Red Rocks Austin, we also want to have the correct systems set up in place so that we can make sure we're not just dreaming big, but we have, we have the, the right steps to take every day to make sure we're actually achieving our goals. As Doug said last week, we're not going to rise to the level of our vision. We're going to fall to the level of our system. And so I'm, I'm, I'm all for dreaming big, but let's make sure we have the right steps set in place. Doug and Ian and I have always been um, big picture guys. We love to dream big dreams. And um, that's amazing. But, but a couple of years ago, we went to a conference and the, the guys stood up and, and explained this concept to us that your vision actually needs a system. And Doug and E and I were looking at each other like, this is like a game, this changes everything. You know, like how have we not heard this? And they're looking at us like, you guys run a church and you haven't heard this yet? And we're like, don't, don't worry about it, right? But we, but we came back and we thought, okay, we need to set a system in place for our vision. Because at Red Rocks Austin, in case you're wondering what, what type of church you just walked into, at Red Rocks Austin, our vision is to make heaven more crowded and earth more whole. In other words, we want to point as many people as we can to Jesus. It's an amazing vision. It's a vision that's going to keep us busy for the rest of our lives, right? But we need to also make sure we have the proper system set up in place. So how do we complete that mission? Well, we try to, to help everybody experience God, find family, discover purpose so that you can step up and be the leader that God's calling you to be. We want everybody to experience what God thinks of them in this place. We also wanna create space for you to be surrounded by like-minded people who, who will push you forward toward that goal so that together you can start to discover what that purpose is and you can spur each other on to become leaders, not only in this church, but in your family, in your community, at work, at school, right, wherever you go, in this city, in this nation, in this world, how many know we need leaders right now who can lead with love? And so that's what we're in the business of raising up uh, around here. Last week, Doug keyed in on that, that first bucket of experiencing God. Today, we're gonna focus in on the second one, find family. What does it look like in 2021 for this to be a year where you are surrounded by community, real community of people who love you, who you love them, who will push you forward. 
So we, we name this, this series Stay in the Loop, and the emphasis is on the stay. It's not go through the loop once, like a roller coaster. It's, it's so cheesy. You know, we won't cut it, scrap it, trying things. Never mind. Stay focused. It's stay in the loop, like a hamster wheel. I don't know. Stay in the loop. Stay in the loop. Keep coming back. Doug, <laughs> like the hamster wheel. We've got to write that down, Doug. Let's write that book. Um, experiencing God is not just something you do once. It's a lifestyle. It's something that we want you to do every day. Finding family is not just something you do once. It's a lifestyle. Discovering purpose is a lifestyle. Becoming a leader is a lifestyle. Stay in the loop. So I want to talk about what it looks like and how we can have good, solid community around us this year. And I'm going to give us three keys, three keys to healthy community in 2021. But here's the thing. I can stand up here all day and give you my opinion, my words. Who cares? I'm just some guy up here with a mic. That's not what we're here for. What we want to do is go to the word of God. And what we want to do is, is, is read a story in the Bible that's going to give us these keys so that we can set ourselves up for success. So today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, we're going to read one of my favorite stories. It's a story of healing. It's a story of um, Jesus' power, but it's also a story of friendship and a story of the power of community. So Mark chapter 2, Mark is... Uh, a gospel, so it's a biography of Jesus' life. It's the story of Jesus' life. Go read it this week. It's amazing. 16 chapters that takes you through the story of Jesus. So this is chapter 2. So this is right in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Um, he's just starting, like words starting to get out that this guy can heal. And so what you're going to see is uh, the secrets getting out in Mark chapter 2. So let's read it together. It says this. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. I love that. Anytime Jesus gets a crowd, he starts preaching the word to them. Next slide, it says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Look at, look at the community aspect of this. Carried by four friends. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, I love the Bible, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. That's one of those lines that you could just read and just, just move past. Like, let's think about that for a second. They make an opening in the roof because that's how badly they want to get their friend to Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son. Hey, first off, let's back up. If you write in your Bible, underline the phrase, when Jesus saw their faith, those two words, their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, now if you write in your Bible, underline the word son, and then circle it, and then put some stars by it, and then draw some arrows to it. Son, underline your sins are 
forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? I love, we should bring back fellow, don't you think? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking. Be careful what you think around Jesus. (laughs) He knows everything. Uh, That this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Look at the authority in Jesus. Immediately this man gets up. He takes his mat, completely healed, and he walks out in full view of them all. And then this is the understatement of the year. This amazed everyone. Yeah, I would say so. And they praise God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. A beautiful story of healing. Also a beautiful story of friendship. Uh, Like a beautiful story of four guys who said, we're gonna stop at nothing to get our friend what he needs right now. So in honor of these four men, we don't even know their name, but I wanna be more like, like these four guys. So in honor of these four guys, we named this sermon, I Got You. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got you. I got you. May we be a church that makes a habit out of turning to our friends and saying, hey, we're in this together. I got you. Three keys to becoming those types of people. That's where we're heading today. I'm gonna pray. We'll we'll talk through the story. We'll sing a few more songs and then we'll go make some snow angels outside. Sound like it's snowing in Austin, guys. I can't get over it. Father, we thank you for the snow. Lord, we also thank you for your word. Thank you for Mark 2. Lord, as we dive in, would you open our minds, open our hearts. Spirit, would you speak to us? We are listening. Would you teach us how to be a church where we don't just say fine family. We create space for people to be in family. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, this story in Mark 2 brings up a whole lot of questions, doesn't it? Um, it takes place in Capernaum, which is a, a small little fishing village on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, where Peter and Andrew and James and John uh, are from, four fishermen who become Jesus's best friends, because Jesus is just awesome, like that. And we think, we don't know for certain, but we think that this story took place in Peter's house. And uh, lots of scholars think that. Um, because in Mark chapter one, they go to Peter's house and um, Jesus does a bunch of healings there. So we think that Peter's house was kind of like this, this headquarters. Um, and, and we don't know that for, for certain, but the reason I think it happened in Peter's house, and this is like a very Bible nerdy thing to say, so stick with me for 30 seconds, is because when Mark sat down to, to pen his gospel, we believe that Peter was uh, his eyewitness who was like telling him, helping him write out all the stories and telling him what was going on. Well, Mark's gospel is the only gospel that includes this story. So, so it's, I'm speculating, but I just kind of feel like Peter was like, hey, there was also this day where a guy cut a hole in my roof. So if that doesn't make it into the Bible, Mark, like 
I'm gonna come find you. You know what I mean? So I think it happened in Peter's house. It doesn't matter whose house it was. What matters is that it actually happened and it actually happened in an actual house. Like a house that somebody worked really hard on, you know? So imagine how like, like awkward this moment must have been. Uh, okay, put yourself in, in the position of the man who's paralyzed on the mat. First of all, 2,000 years ago, there was a, a thought that um, if somebody was born blind or, or paralyzed, um, people just assumed that he or she must have done something wrong, like sinned, or their parents must have sinned for, for that to happen, right? And fortunately, all these years later, we, we know better than that. In fact, Jesus was ahead of his time even back then. There's a little story in John 9 where his disciples come to him and like, hey, this man was born blind. Was, this, was it him who sinned or was it his parents? And Jesus is like, that's not, stop it. That's not how it works, right? But this was the stigma of the day. So this poor man, not only is he paralyzed, but he has this stigma that he has to live with that he believes and people believe about him that this was his fault, Okay. In addition to that, this is hundreds of years before the wheelchair was invented, right? So today, this person would be a fully functioning human. But back in those days, this person had to rely on everybody else to go anywhere. So not only does he feel like a burden all the time, he feels like a burden, and he feels like that burden was his fault. And then one day, he's hanging out with his buddies, and one of them comes around and is like, hey, Jesus is in Capernaum. Let's take you to him and maybe you can get healed, right? Like if I'm the guy on the mat, I'm thinking, you guys, you don't have to carry me all the way to Capernaum. Like stop, let's just hang out. Let's just play cards or something today, you know? But they're like, no, 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 we got you. We're gonna pick up your mat and we're gonna carry you all the way to Capernaum. And so they take him there and much to his dismay, when they get there, what they see is Jesus surrounded by a, a house that's completely full and then hundreds of other people surrounding that house. Like it's impossible to get to Jesus. So if I'm the man on the mat, I'm thinking, guys, he's busy right now. There's so many, there's, there's no way we're going to be able to get to Jesus. Like, let's get out of here. But the four friends go, no, 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 we got you. We're going. There's a, there's a roof on the house. You know, let's, let's go up there. There's nobody up there. And he's like, yeah, of course, there's nobody on the roof. You don't go on roofs. And he goes, no, 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 we're taking you up to the roof. We got you. So they take this guy up onto the roof. And then from there, if I'm the guy on the mat, I'm going, guys, thank you. We've come this far. But like, Jesus is preaching. This is God in the flesh, like preaching to hundreds of people. Like he's busy right now. He's got other things going on. Let's not worry about it. And, and then the four friends look at each other. And you know how every friend group has that friend who's like a little crazy, like, but for all the, the right reasons, you know, like the guy or the girl who's a, a little crazy, but for all the right reasons, like for us, it's Ethan, you know, like, like this would be like, Ethan would, would be looking at us like, no, we've come this far. We're not turning back. We're going to put a hole in this roof. Like if I'm the guy on the mat, I'm going, E, I'm sorry, I love you. We're not cutting a hole in Peter's roof, you know? And, and, and Ethan, I'm just throwing you into the story. Ethan is like, hey, Ryan, we can come back and fix this roof tomorrow 
I got you. Today, we're getting you your healing. Now, everybody pick up a shovel and let's put a hole in this roof, right? Like, that's crazy. That's an, an extra step of I got you type of mentality. But if you're the guy on the mat, you're probably like, Peter, I'm so sorry, you know? Like, I'll, I'll pay for it, right? And, and then if you think about it, they lowered him down, which means for a while, it was all five of them in it together. But then there had to be a moment where the four were like, okay, now it's just you, we're gonna lower you down, you know, like, like good luck. And this poor guy has to be lowered into this house where Jesus is preaching to hundreds of people. I've had some distracting moments when I preached, mostly caused by myself, right? But nobody's ever cut a hole like in the roof and like lowered somebody down. This had to be such an awkward moment for this man. So picture it, you're being lowered down and all of a sudden this sermon from God himself just comes to a standstill for you. Like, what are you thinking? I'm looking around going, guys, I'm so sorry. I didn't want this to happen. Like, drinks on me tonight, you know? Like, I'm so, so sorry. But let's look at the first written thing that Jesus says to this man in this socially awkward moment. Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. In other words, you belong here. Son, you belong here. All of the things that have happened over the course of your life that make you feel unqualified and unworthy for us to halt this entire message right now, can I just tell you that I already took care of those? Your sins are forgiven. You are my son, and so I say to you, you belong. This is what Jesus did. He is the ultimate advocate of the Imago Dei in people. So he stops everything, and he goes, hey, these are just words. You're a human being made in God's image. So son, I can call you what you're not because I am who I am. So your sins are forgiven. In other words, Jesus starts with reminding him who he is. I, I don't have any kids, but I, I get to watch Doug and Ethan raise their, their boys. And um, what's funny is we could have like the 20 things, 20 fires to put out at, at the church and, and things could be completely chaotic, but like if Zeke or Will runs into the room, especially if they need something, like they stop everything. Nothing else, that's my son, and, and he needs me right now. That's how I picture Jesus loving this person who's being lowered in on a mat going, hey, you're my son, you belong here. So if we're talking about finding family, Christian community, why are we starting with um, something that doesn't even have anything to do with anybody else. Well, 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 here's why. I would say this. The key, the first key to finding Christian community actually isn't about anybody else. It has everything to do with yourself. I would say it's this. It's remind. Remind. If you're taking notes, you can write, write that down. The first key to finding family is first reminding yourself who God says you are. Because here's the thing. If we can get the validation from, from God and the identity from God, then every other relationship in our life, it just becomes icing on the cake. We already know who we are. 
And so now we don't have to seek that validation from other imperfect people. We're, we're freed up to go, hey, I already know who I am. And so now let me spend my energy just speaking life over you and helping you and loving you and building you up. See, I think there's a, there's, there's a reason why Jesus just looks at, at this man who had to be feeling so uncomfortable and starts by reminding him, my son, you're good. You have a seat at this table. Like you're worthy of, of what we are about to do here. So my question to you would be, um, do you believe that about yourself? And what would it look like this year to get in the healthy habit of reminding yourself who God says you are? Because here's the thing, when we start doing that, all of a sudden the things that used to frustrate us about other people, those just turn into opportunities to forgive, you know? Like we stop focusing so much on people's behavior and we start getting really interested in their backstories because we start to realize, hey, um, I don't need validation from those imperfect people. And so like, I wonder why he said that to me. Not, I can't believe he said that to me. It's man, he must be having a really tough week. She must be struggling right now. Like, can, can we just be honest? When we try to find validation from other people, we are putting an unfair and unrealistic expectation on them. For all of us, right? Like, your spouse is amazing. They're not God. Some of you, like for the first time, you're like, yeah, yeah, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> your kids are amazing. They're not God. Your friend group is incredible, and I'm so happy for you. That's a gift from God. You hold on to that, but also know they're going to let you down eventually, right? And so if we need our validation from them, when they do let us down, it's going to make us angry and upset. But if we spend every day reminding ourselves who we are, then those moments where they let us down are opportunities to forgive, opportunities to build up, opportunities to check in, right? It starts with reminding ourselves who we are. So how do we do it? There's so many ways, but um, I wanna share, I felt like I, I needed to, to share this. For the last year and a half or so, um, I have I've put like a three-minute routine into my morning routine, and it's been transforming who I, I am. Here's the thing. I actually believe, I'm crazy enough to believe that John 3.16 is true about me. I'm not talking about you guys right now. It's just about Ryan. John 3.16 is true about Ryan. God loved me, God loves Ryan so much that he sent his son for me to die so that I could live. That's when, when God looks at me, that's what he thinks of me. He's got a case of the so loves me, as Judah Smith says, right? Like, like he loves me just that much. And so what I do is I sit every last, at the nine o'clock, I got really convicted because I said every morning. And then I was like, I don't do it every morning. I do it like five times a week, you know? So like almost every morning. I sit and I close my eyes and I just meditate on God. I just picture God looking at me and smiling, looking at me with love and going, that's my son. I'm so proud of him. That's my co-creator. I can't wait to see what he creates today. I, I, anybody ever had any like social awkward interactions and then like thought about it for the next week? I, I know the feeling very well, trust me. So here's, here's what I do. I actually play it back in my head. And as I'm playing back that awkward social interaction, I picture God smiling at me through it. 
going, that's my son. I love him. I'm crazy about him. Even when he <laughs> goes to the left or right, when he doesn't quite get it right, I would, there's never a moment where I wouldn't send my son for him. That's my son. I love him. This is a journey, and he's going to get it. You start doing it day after day, week after week, year after year. All of a sudden, you start becoming a person who understands that you already are loved. And so now, you guys might be like looking at me thinking like, that's like the most narcissistic thing in the world, that the creator of the universe is looking at you. No, it's not. It's actually the most unselfish thing, I think, in the world. Because here's the thing. I spend three minutes doing that, and then for the rest of my day, not that I am perfect at it, but I'm getting there. For the rest of my day, I'm not thinking about me and what people think about me and whether or not this sermon is, is, is going to be funny enough or good enough or powerful enough. I'm freed up from that so I can just go, hey, this is a gift for people, and I can just look at other people who are down on their luck and spend my energy carrying some other people's mats instead of worrying about my own. Finding family starts with reminding ourselves who God says we are. From there, I would say remind and then restore. From there, everything else flows from, from remind. Once, once we get the remind part down, we can just get busy restoring. Did you, did you notice that, that Jesus said, or the Bible said, it's when Jesus saw their faith that the healing started to happen? Do you know that, that your faith actually has the power to bring healing? Do you know that your words of encouragement can actually restore people? Do you know that your gratitude is actually a gift? Gratitude is a gift. On Thursday, I walked in here. Doug was in here working on some stuff, and I walked in here to talk through this talk with him because he's the wordsmith guru. He looked at all this. He's like, oh, yeah, remind, restore, repeat. Easy. And I was like, cool. Thanks, Doug. You're brilliant. I appreciate you. Gratitude. This is my, my gratitude is a gift to you. Receive it. I walk in here, and he is just beaming. And I, I go, hey, Doug, what's, what's going on? And he had just gotten an email from uh, your story to tell, so I, I won't, I'll leave the, out the details, but an email from an old teacher who had watched one of his sermons and was just, just giving him so much encouragement and thanking him, right? And, and that, that teacher, when he sat down to write that email, he, he was probably just, he just had gratitude in his heart and he shared it with Doug and, and all of a sudden Doug got to receive that gift and be encouraged that he's heading in the right direction, right? Your gratitude is a gift. So speak it over people. There's this great scene in the office. We love the office around here where Michael Scott, um, who's always just kind of standoffish to, to people, is talking to, to Pam and to Oscar. And, and Pam walks away and he turns to Oscar and he goes, I would never tell this to her. I would never tell her this to her face, but Pam's a fantastic person and a really talented artist. And Oscar's like, wait. What, like, why wouldn't you say that to her face? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? But that's like, that's what we do. Like, we're, why are we so stingy with our gratitude sometimes? Like, like, like we, um, uh, we I, I had this moment a few, like a, a month ago where I was telling somebody like, hey, I'm so thankful for that person, the person who wasn't there. And he just looks at me and he goes, hey, do you ever tell him that? And I was like, yeah, why? 
why, why don't, uh, so I like called him immediately, like, why am I so stingy with my gratitude? My gratitude is a gift. Gratitude is a way that we can pick up other people's mats and help them get to where they want to go. Gratitude is a way where we can go, hey, I got you. So I know you might be having a bad day right now, but let me encourage you. Let me speak life over you. Let me help you financially or, or, or in any tangible way that I can because I got you. Your gratitude is a gift. I would say it's not just a gift to them, it's also a gift to you, too. Psychologists have been trying to figure out for years what the key to happiness is. Recently, a study came out, secular psychologists. Oh, it's being thankful, turns out. Turns out the Bible was right all along, that, that, that when we just express gratitude we find what we're actually looking for. Your gratitude is a gift. Your gratitude is a way that you restore, not just, your, not just other people, but also yourself. So, so church, would we be a church that, that constantly reminds ourselves who God says we are, and then is in the business of restoring and speaking life over people? And then the third step is just simply repeat. Just get caught in that loop. Get caught in that loop. Stay in that loop all year and watch what happens over the course of 12 months. Get caught going, reminding yourself every day, restoring people every day, repeating it every single day. And all of a sudden you'll wake up one day and realize that you are surrounded by people who love you so much, who, uh, you, uh, who would carry your mat any day of the week and who you would be willing to, to carry theirs any day of the week. And can I just tell you, it goes so, so far. I have, I have people in my life who, who text me. I have people in my life who text me all day yesterday, praying for you, praying for you. Can't wait to hear your message. I've got people who will check in with me afterwards, right? And it's not because, um, it's, it's not because they feel like they have to. It's because they go, hey, Ryan's up this week, so we're gonna encourage him. We're gonna surround him. We're gonna carry his mat and the, the, the amount of freedom that that brings me so that I can just do this, right? Whatever's going on in your life, make sure you have people around you who are willing to carry your mat and then turn around and carry theirs. So about three years ago, um, I invited 12 people over to my condo. Um, and to be honest, it was just the only 12 people that I knew in Austin at the time we had just gotten here. And I said, uh, hey, we need to start creating some space for people to find family at this church. What if we started opening up our homes for groups? And uh, this is even emotional for me right now because I get to, to look around and, and see lots of different stories that, that have come from, from people saying yes to that, from people saying, yes, I'll open up my home, I'll create space. Like um, one of my favorite things, I, I can always tell when a group just like clicked because all of a sudden they'll like walk into church together and they'll have a huge smile on their face because they'll realize that they weren't the only person who struggled with whatever and they'll realize that they have people who are willing to carry their mat and they're willing to, to carry theirs. It changes everything. I could tell you stories all day long, um, but we thought we would just share one story with you today, a family that's so near and dear to our hearts. So this is the Robinsons.
when I drank was so long ago that it almost feels like a bad dream that just feels so distant. I can barely remember, well, I can barely remember it for the fact that I was drunk the whole time, but <laughs> um, I don't remember a lot of it. I don't. I mean, I remember the worst and the way that that felt and the guilt and the shame that was just a constant in my life. I think it took a DUI to make me take a step back. Not take a step back from my situation, but take a step back from what I thought was working and what I really needed to focus on in order to make a change in my life. I was never a big drinker. I think I could count on one hand the amount of times that I was like really drunk the night I got my DUI. When the cop walked up to my window, he was like, Miss, do you know why I pulled you over? And I was like, I should probably just get in your car. I had my first DUI class where I met Eric, who ended up being my husband. <laughs> um. <laughs> we decided that church was something that we wanted in our life. I don't think either of us understood the profound change that deciding to go to church would have on our lives. We ended up at a Red Rocks baptism service and um, I remember crying the whole time and not really understanding why. We just knew that we had to keep going back. We walked up to one of our now best friends and was like, what do we do? Like, what's, what's the plan to get us involved and to be a part of this? And she was like, volunteer do a group. We went to a life group. It was a new believers group. It just dawned on us like we could do this. And we had this awesome group of young people who we loved. I remember every week I, I would sit there and be like, like, why did these people choose to be in our house? We are two people who met in DUI class who have literally no clue what we're doing. We decided to move to Austin to be part of Red Rocks Austin. When we decided to move, Ellie was only six weeks old. Yeah, is the itsy bitsy spider in the hole? Then we got pregnant with Jethro, and I was like, we're going to be moving with a one-year-old. I'm going to be pregnant to a city we don't know anybody. I mean, in Colorado, we have all of our family. Eric was very sure that like this was God's calling for us, and I was very sure that this was kind of just a crazy dream Eric cooked up is not comfortable to be in a new place like this um, and not have those those places that you recognize and those people that you recognize. But having, having the church was kind of our safe haven. Having the opportunity to bring that home with us and have that group of people that, that also wanted what we wanted and that was a family in this pursuit of ours. You know, you have the family that you're born into that's blood that you have to love. And then you have your group that they're the people that we tell when we have big news, when we have hardships. If you had talked to me six years ago and told me that I was gonna be married with two kids living in my dream home in Austin, Texas, surrounded by the best people in the world, I would have thought you were crazy and I would have laughed at you because I just didn't think that I was worthy of that. When we have life group here, it's just family members coming over, you know, to, to grow with each other and to help each other and do what a family does. 
now I look back and I see this like kind of sad person who found her meaning in not good places but now I'm surrounded by people who show me that like my worth is in God and that's it's just like undescribable just to have people that I know love God so much and through that love also love me for who I am the good the bad and the ugly and it's just such a blessing to have a family like that that chose to be my family um, man we love the the Robinsons so much and uh, we knew several months ago that this would be the weekend uh, that we would be showing this video. What we didn't know uh, until recently is that they, they wouldn't be able to, to join us today in person. Um, on, a, on December 30th, Dakota had a stroke and uh, it came out of, out of nowhere. And um, fortunately, Eric uh, knows what to do in that in those situations, rushed her to the hospital, and um, they got everything situated. They ran a whole bunch of tests. Um, there are a whole lot more tests and questions that, that need to be answered. Um, there's some surgery that, that's going to be coming their way, um, but more than anything, um, they need to, to rest right now. Um, and I'll just say this, uh, since I've known them, Eric and Dakota have been the couple who have never stopped picking up other people's mats. And uh, there's so many people in this room who can attest to that. They've led countless groups. Um, Grow, which is launching today, was dreamt up around a dinner in their kitchen. And um, they've been leading that from the beginning. So they'll be there in spirit today. Um, man, Eric used to, Ian Doug know this, when we were at the setup and teardown space, um, we had to get there super early, but our volunteers put in like 15 hour days as volunteers. And so we would get there a little earlier to move a, a lot of the, the heavy furniture. And I remember Eric just like cornered us after the, the first day that we did it with Nick and, and Jake. And he just goes, hey, tell me what time you get here. And we're like, Eric, sleep, get at least another hour of sleep. He goes, tell me what time you get here. So we're like, okay, 5.30. And then every Sunday from there on out, he would cruise on, on his motorcycle at, at 5.30 and just help us move this absurdly heavy furniture every Sunday. They are the couple that pick up other people's mats and help them carry it. And so now, church, what they need from us right now, not because they ask for it, because, but because this is what family does, is they need us to rally around them and pick up their mat and say, hey, we got you. We got you, Robinsons. We're in this with you. You aren't alone. We're in this together. So a couple of things I want to do right now. The first is they're watching right now from their living room. They wish, Eric, Eric called me, we talked last night, then he texted me, he's like, hey, I, I convinced Dakota to stay and, and rest. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good call, but they wanna be here so bad right now. So Red Rocks Austin, would you make more noise than you've ever made right now for Eric and Dakota Robinson? You are family to us. We love you so much. We are with you. We are here for you. 
We can't wait to be with you again in person. Second thing, tangibly, they have a GoFundMe right now, um, Dakota Robinson. Um, if you can't find it, just shoot us a, an email and we'll get it over to you. But, but hospital bills aren't cheap, so let's rally around them as family and, and make sure they're taken care of in this time. But lastly, man, we just believe in the power of prayer here. And we just believe, like it says in Mark 2, that when Jesus sees our faith, things start to happen. And so as the church, as a family, as one body, what we're gonna do right now is call out in the name of Jesus and ask that Dakota would be healed. We're gonna call out in the name of Jesus and ask that uh, Dakota, that this would be a one-time thing, that whatever happened on December 30th would be a one-time thing. There would be no more strokes. There would no, be no more anxiety uh, surrounding strokes, that her body would be completely healed. And so Red Rocks Church, as one body, would you bow your heads with me? Father God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing and hope and restoration to Dakota Robinson. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you would restore her body, that there would be no more strokes, no more anxiety of strokes, no more worries, that you would fix her heart, Lord, that you would uh, uh, just surround her and let her know that she has a family that is here to pick up her mat as she goes. And so, Father God, would peace, a peace that transcends all understanding, fill the Robinsons' house right now in the name of Jesus. And every family member that's worried about them, would you remind them that you are here, that you are their father, that you call them son and daughter, and walk every step of the way with them. We pray complete healing complete restoration over Dakota now in Jesus' name. Amen. Eric, Dakota, we love you so, so much. We're here with you. Red Rocks Church, this is what it looks like to find family. We are a church that, that, that circles around people that are down on their luck and starts picking up some mats. So would you this week remind yourself who you are? so that you can stop needing validation from other people and be freed up to be an agent of reconciliation and restoration in this world. Man, we've had a tough week. We've had a tough week all uh, across the board. There are a whole lot of people who need us to come alongside them and pick up their mats. Let's become those people starting now. So would you guys stand up to your feet with me, man? There is a whole lot of anxiety in this world right now. There is a whole lot of worry in this world right now. There's a whole lot of uncertainty in this world right now, a whole lot of fear. Hey, do you know what this world needs? What this world needs is more Christians who are put down their stones and start picking up some mats. What this world needs is some Christians who will stop critiquing so much and start caring a little bit more. Start caring a little bit more. Would we be those people for this world? And so I wanna invite you to sing right now. I want you to invite you to sing out right now for the person sitting next to you. I wanna invite you to sing out right now for your friends, for your family, for this nation, for this world, for the Robinsons, Red Rocks Church. This is where healing begins. This is where healing starts right here, right now. Let's worship.